Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Thank you so very much. Thank you guys for allowing me just the freedom to to work and to operate with the Lord. And you know what? I I just keep you a few few more minutes. Hand back to Pastor. But uh, I just want to show you scripturally um, just what we did. And uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter twelve. Everybody, go to Acts chapter twelve. And uh, if you missed last night, I'd, I'd ask you just to get the recording of it or. Um, I'm thermal. You can go on and listen to the recording, to the podcast. Um, I think it's a pivotal message um, from the Lord and regarding your identity and how your identity matters. And I know that your pastor has, I heard today, has been preaching messages on identity. You know, a while ago, I had a dream and uh, I saw uh, this, this demon spirit. Uh, go through the doors of a school and grab, <laughs> I see there's children in here. But anyway, what, what the Spirit was trying to do was to make the children faceless. But the word, the word was to make them a generation without identity. So we take authority over that. In this region, in the name of Jesus, our children will have their own God-given identity. Amen. And it will be centered in Christ. Can I have a big amen? Praise the Lord. God is good. Hallelujah. Well, in Acts chapter 12, this was the fourth onslaught of persecutions. Persecution started in Acts chapter 4. Now we're at the fourth surge of persecution. This persecution was coming to stop the church. Mark chapter 4 tells you the source sows the word, but persecution arises for the word's sake. There are five things that the enemy wants to use to blow up your world and to stop you. That's what the love of this world, the desires of riches, all of those different things, persecutions, and the cares of this world, persecutions and afflictions. We have to be on guard so that we're not playing into this paradigm. But everything that is going on right now, because that's what Satan will use to rob you of the word so that there will be not a hundredfold yield of the word of God. I'm speaking to you as people that know Mark 4 very well. Amen. Starting from verse 13, so or so is the word. So it's very, very important that you are in this day a people that have a revelation even of Daniel 7.25. That you're not going to be a people that are wearied by the enemy. His plan is to weary the saints. Another thing that he wants to do, there's three things. Another thing that he wants to do is what? He wants you to speak words against God. That's what Satan wants done. How does he do that best? Through the believers. Our disappointment, our disgruntledness, our being disenfranchised, being, you know, well, where was God when you needed him? You know, and you've been having coffee with him every morning, you know, and you're just getting dissatisfied because your coffee time is not producing any power. But he gave you power. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents, scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. 
And so I feel like I, I had a bump with some of you tonight because, you know, I'm trying to take away your coffee with Jesus. I, I'm not trying to take away your coffee with Jesus. I'm trying to get you to use the name of Jesus and then have a cup of coffee. Right? So those three things, Daniel 7.25, is he, he wants to weary you, right? He wants to cause you to speak words against God, and he wants to pervert the times. In other words, he wants to put things out of timing. So I've been in Ecclesiastes a lot recently. Ecclesiastes 3, to everything there is a, a time or a season, to, every to everything there is. Amen? So we just have to know which time and which season we are in. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm, teach I'm talking to you tonight like the learned of the Lord. Amen? That you're a mature bunch, and you are because you have a phenomenal teaching gift called your pastor that just ministers to you constantly with the word of God. So I believe that you're, you're people of strong meat and you can take this tonight. Amen. That's why God can bring us, bring us in. But this was the fourth surge now, of course, persecution in Acts chapter 12. This was unusually uh, barbaric. We just had the death of James um, and uh, it really pleased the Jews. And Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. And, uh, and so now, you know, he thinks, well, he's going to take another kingpin out of the road, Peter, you know, you know, Peter the blabbermouth, you know, the one that's always speaking and the one that's always trying to, you know, whip up the crowd, you know. So let's take Peter out because if, if James pleased the people, you know, the Jews being killed, you know, Peter's really going to make them happy. So now we have a, a moment where Peter has been seized, he's been imprisoned, he's been put in prison. But what Herod wasn't really, uh, what would you say, banking on was the provocation mounting a step up in prayer by the church. I, I think it like this here. Let, let me read scripture so that we can go home and we can say we read the Bible tonight. <laughs> because that's most important. We are in a church service. So it's very, very important that we read the Bible, even though there's been scripture from the beginning of this service. Even though we didn't give chapter and verse, we've had a belly load of scripture tonight already, right? We've cried, holy, holy, holy. Where's that in the Bible? All those word people tell me where that is. A revelation, where else is it? Isaiah. <laughs> Why did it go quiet? <laughs> we're not used to we're not used to being asked questions, Pastor Paul. How many people do sword fighting? I'm talking with the word, not, not with real swords. You know. Carn myself, when we were learning the word, we would lie in bed at night. We would pillow fight, not literally with pillows, but we would lie in bed at night and we would speak scripture back and forward until at times Carn would say, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Remember that big old house? We were building our house out in Longmoor. We were sitting in this big old house with something like the monsters, you know, what do you call them, that lived in, you know, it's like, gosh, you're going to find, you know, Hector in the basement, something like that. It was. It's a massive old house, and I'm telling you, we just work the word, work the word, work the word, work the word. I remember many nights us lying down, and we were just speaking the word back and forward, back and forward. Amen. Those are cherished moments. You're building on something. There's a platform that's being built. Hallelujah. So we need to know. 
chapter, and we need to know verse. So Peter here is in Jill, and we're going to read from verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. And about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to afflict and oppress and torment some who belonged to the church assembly. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded further and arrested Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, the Passover week. Verse 4. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him, purposing after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. What was he going to do? He's going to behead him in front of the people. He was going to take him out. He had a big plan. He didn't want to, you know, he was playing the system, actually. You know, really, the time of Passover was nothing to him. But he was working with the Jew and playing the, playing the game, you know, as we all do, right? We play the game. We always play that political game. And uh, not me, actually. But they play that political game, and everybody was working together, and they were going to bring Peter then out for display, take his head off, praise the Lord, and, you know, everybody give a big cheer. But I believe that when James was about to be beheaded, the church maybe prayed like, oh, Father, we just lift up James right now. How many people have ever heard anybody pray like that? Father, we just lift up James right now, and Father, you know how good James is. Oh, he's such a brother, and he's John's brother, and we love him, Father. And we just ask you, Father, would you minister to James right now? I don't know what he's feeling. I don't know what he's going through, but Lord, would you minister to James right now? And Lord, just, you know, if, if it's your will, Father, keep James alive. I know we don't pray like that here. I will say that again. I know we would never pray like that here. Ooh, one more time. I know we would never pray like that there because we know it's God's will already to stay alive. You shall not die but and declare the Let me like Amen. But you know if you don't watch yourself it's easy to fall into Father, we just lift up James. We can even give a shake of her head, make it look spiritual. We lift up James. But yet, there's no real power in that. It's like that prayer we pray. Father, would you, I just ask you to bless Chris right now, Father. And I'm praying for you, right? I'm just praying for you over there in Tulsa. I'm praying for you got the property. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm, you know, I'm delighted. You know, I'm just praying a little prayer. I'm just saying, Father, I just thank you for Chris. Such a great guy, Lord. Just bless him, Father. Touch him. But you know, it's it's a nice, but it's it's as good as a nice tray on a motorcycle. <laughs> it's just useless. Useless. Completely. Useless. It's like you're praying for your children at night, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep. You walking in there and the children, Lord, I just ask you to bless little Tommy. Oh, I love Tommy. Lord, I thank you for my Tommy. I love him and I thank you for him, Lord. 
Well, that's, that's just you emotionally venting. You're not praying for Tommy. You're releasing. <laughs> Whatever, but, but you're not connecting with God. You're connecting with yourself. So I know there's nobody like that in this room that pray like that. Can I have a big amen? How many people knows I'm messing with religion tonight? But it's not for this church. It's for another church. <laughs> it's for someone that you know. You can take this message tonight and go and tell them, right? Because you know it's not you. Because you're full on, right? You're full on because I tell you, you're in there with Tommy. You've grabbed his foot and you're like, and nobody messes with my Tommy. Instead of this other thing, I, I just love my Tommy. Lord, you see the bullies and, and oh, Lord, I just, the bullies and, and my Tommy. No, you grab Tommy's toe and you say, plead the blood. I plead the blood over my Tommy. In the name of Jesus, no devil touches him. No devil can ever touch him. And then you start to bind all those demons that's coming through those ugly children to your Tommy. Maybe this is too much tonight. But I know there's a better religion somewhere in Georgia. And we're going to hunt it out. <laughs> so that power can come to your house. Oh, no. No, sorry. So power can come to those other people's homes. Because the last thing, if your Tommy's being bullied, the last thing you need is to get caught up in the emotions of that. Oh, my Tommy. Can you believe it that he's getting bullied? Uh, yeah. It's a very bad place out there. The world doesn't understand a sensitive heart of a child. The world would call it soft. They're soft. But they're not soft. They're sensitive. They're made in the image of Christ. So we need to pray prayers that wrap around their hearts and protect them. Instead of calling the teacher. I'm pulling Tommy from the school if this bullying doesn't stop. And so you should. You should do that as well. But unless you deal with it in the spirit, then it's always going to be an emotional fight. Because the next school that you put your Tommy in, guess what's going to happen? Because it is spiritual. Same spirits, different school. Well, I'm just going to keep him home. He'll step out somehow, somewhere in the world and have to face what you should have dealt with 10 years ago. As a parent, he will have to face what you should have dealt with 10 years earlier. Maybe I should have said the benediction 30 minutes ago. But why all this faith teaching? Why all this teaching? Why all of this? Because God set us up for success. He truly means it when he said that we are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. We are a product of our own choices. 
really to this point in life is what you have agreed with. Well, I just don't necessarily, no, no, truly. If you take it down to its basics, you really have agreed with it. When those people called you names, when people spoke ill of you, when people talked down to you, when people said those things, you got offended. It was your choice to get offended. That offense then begins to build a mindset, begins to build a stronghold, begins to build. How you think dictates to you. You never used to think like that. Now you think like that. Now you're a little shy of people. Like, well, they hurt me. They hurt me. And are they going to hurt me too? But why are you always exposing your weakness? You know, Scripture says that you should never give another person power over you. And how do you give people power over you? Because you tell people too much. And we think that that bonds us by people knowing our hearts. But it doesn't bond you by people knowing what's in your heart. It actually makes differences. That's how one is diminished and one is elevated. I declare over you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're the child of the king. We're to reign as kings in this life. Kings act differently. Have you been watching everything that's been going on in London over this last few days with, you know, the departure of Queen Elizabeth to, what were Americans we know? Americans are not. It's It's a great teaching moment to watch how royalty operates. Oh, and we got independence from that. No, no. Watch how, because you're a royal priesthood. You're of a kingdom that has a king. The kingdom of heaven, heaven is not a republic. So we cannot operate in the kingdom of God with a republican. I don't mean republican or democrat, but, you know, a donkey or an elephant. You can't operate in the kingdom of God with preference, right? Because it is... The king and his kingdom. So therefore, we have to think differently. So even though it's amazing that that we're... How can I do this, Lord? Um, Let me see. Uh, Chris is going through something right now. He's not. You know him. He's just a bag of laughs everywhere you go. It's like, you know, come on, right? But, you know, just, just... You know, so, so if, if Chris ever was going through anything, the, the last thing Chris needs is someone like me to come, right, and go, oh, Chris, anybody but you, man. You're just, you're just the best. I just, this wouldn't be why this happens to Chris. No, if Chris is down, he... Yes, he needs my empathy. I got your back. I got your back, but he doesn't need me stroking his back. It's like when you're going for a massage. You know, anybody ever go for a massage? Right? I love going for a massage. Somebody that can really get the kink side and the knots out, right? I tell them, I said, you know, don't be, don't be stroking me with oil. My wife can do that. 
I said, if I'm here for a massage, I want deep tissue. I want you to get the fascia sorted. I want you to get the knots sorted. I don't want you rubbing me. Understand? My wife can rub me. You can't. I know I'm coming against a bit of religion here in Georgia, and you think that that's too close to the knuckle, but that's just the way it is. Blame it on me being Irish. Excuse me. But the last thing that Chris needs, if Chris is dying and the devil's been pounding him, the last thing is he needs is, is me coming over and going, oh, Chris. I mean, you, man, anybody else but not you, Chrissy. And I were Chrissy and, you know, my Chrissy. I mean, that's sick, man. I mean, that's just like, no. I don't want people to do that to me. I want, Shelly knows what I'm like. I want, I want Chris to come to my house and say, Pastor Paul. Snap out of it. Come on, where's the Irish warrior? Where is he? Where is he? Crying there? Rise up, man of God. Rise up. I, I don't want to hear it, Chris. You're going to hear it, Pastor Paul. And even if, he put, if, if I put him out of my house, he can stand in my front yard and yell at me through the window. I don't need sympathy. I need somebody to get... Stand up with me just two minutes. I'm sorry. I have to move you. I, I know that. I know. It's Saturday night. No. I need somebody to grab me, right? And come on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. I don't want to go. I want to sit here. I want to wallow in it. Have you any idea what they did to me? Have you any idea how much money I lost? Have you any idea how sick I feel? Have you any idea? No. All right. Come on. Come on. Watch my arm. I mean, I need it. I mean, I mean, I need this. I, I mean, you got it, right? You got it. I need him praying for me like that. You're messing with my hair. I need it. I need somebody to pray with me. I don't need you. I don't need you. Thank you, my brother. I don't, I don't need you. I don't need you sitting down in the church house going, oh, we just lift up Pastor Paul. Lord, we've just heard. We've just heard. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you, have you heard? You know how churches work. Have you heard? Lindell Cooley today is in, in life-threatening uh, operation. Aortic dissension, whatever you call it. They're out there calling for prayer. You know what the church is doing? Have you heard? Lindell's on the operating table. No, I didn't ask you to tell everybody. We asked you to pray that he lives and doesn't die. It's not a debate or a chat. It's a prayer. <laughs> right? If I'm not ministering in the morning, you know why. pastor has something to say. It's going to fix this all. Or maybe it's because my arm's not working. But that's it. I'd rather have a sore arm. You have a chiropractor. I'm seeing you straight after this service, my brother. Thank you. I had you marked for a session anyway. Praise the Lord. Come on. Do you, do you see what I'm doing tonight? So they saw that James's head was taken off, and neither saying is, you know, we're not, we're not. There was a provocation. How many people in this room has ever been provoked? 
Now, did you did you use the provocation to your advantage, to action, or did you just want to gripe about the provocation and criticize? I just don't. I mean, my God. I mean, no, no. Just suck on another peach. No. No, we're not going to gripe about this. We're not going. We're going to take authority over it. So here, Peter, he's now in the middle of the prison. All of these soldiers are around him. He's as good as dead, because they are the early church. I mean, what can they do? Come out there with their pitchforks and their bow and arrows, try and storm. You know the. The prison. Give us back, Peter. In the name of Jesus, give us back, Peter. They didn't go down there and sing a song. They didn't go down there and take anointing oil and anoint the jail with crosses. They prayed. And now the prayer was just not, Lord, we just lift up James. And then the prayer wasn't, Lord, we just lift up Peter. Now the prayer was what we were doing tonight. I believe it with all my heart. And still a fight was coming in their belly. Peter was not dying. I want you to shout it out. Peter was not dying. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not dying either in the name of Jesus. Why? Because this is why we have prayer meetings. This is why we pray the way that we pray. Amen. Why? Because things are coming into life in the name of Jesus. Whatever demonic operation is trying to operate stops. We, all, we, we, we serve. Notice. Desist in your operations against. What they did, they pulled an angel. Read it. They pulled an angel right out of, it was probably choir night in heaven. And they interrupted the choir practice. Holy, holy, holy. Into prayer from the throne, interrupted everything and said, Angel needed. I know this is crazy, isn't it? But this is how I, I see it. This is the word. I'm highly visual. An angel. I was singing abide with me and now I'm in a jail this angel shows up next thing shackles are falling off Peter he's tapping him on the side and saying Peter get up Peter I know you're tired up put your shoes on let's go the door opened scripture says as if on its own Everybody else slept. Everybody else was out of it, except Peter and the angel. 
And Peter didn't even know that it was real until he got further down the street. And the angel left and he says, wow. I've just had an encounter with an angel. I want you to lift your hand and say, I'm getting ready to have an encounter with angels. Do you believe that tonight? Well, wave your hand just right now and make sure they know. Because ministering spirits, ministering angels, Hebrews chapter 1, come on. Psalm 103, that his kingdom rules over all. And his angels hearken to the voice of his word. So where's that coming from? From us. From our prayer. Facilitating what the spirit, because the spirit knows how to get him free. <laughs> how many people would agree tonight the spirit knows how to get you free? So then why then are we trying in the flesh? You see, standing up in the morning saying, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I just thank you, Lord, I'm free. And you don't feel no better. You don't act no better. Another slurp of coffee. And you just pray on this caffeine kick thing pretty quick. That ain't not much happening. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you think that God can actually stay awake when you pray? I mean, are your prayers in, in such a way that, 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 that God wants to engage in your prayer? Right? Because I know the prayer that I like to engage in. You know, if I'm around people and they're all praying, you know, I mean, if I was, if I was God, I'd be like, <laughs> bless their hearts. But I'd want to be over, I'd want to be over at somebody else's house. And if I was God, I'd be in there like a flash. I'd be like, my God, I'd be having something to do. Instead, over there was Sleepy Joe. <laughs> I hope your name's not Joe when you do that. Well, God knows my heart, Brother Brady. Yes, he does. And he's been trying to put the paddles on you for years. Boom! Get a bit of life in you. I just worship you. I worship you. You know, here's the other one, you know. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If I was Jesus, I'd be like, Hello? Yes. I heard the first time. Hello? Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Yes? Hello? 
It's, it's, it's all learned habits, religious, and it has n it's nothing in it except for you. It's, but it's taken up time and space. Jesus, Jesus. And here you are, 10 minutes into prayer, and you're like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He says, use my name, but don't abuse it. You have to have something else to say other than Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Maybe that was too far. Is that too far? I think I'm I think I'm getting through to people out there tonight. In that other church. That other church that so desperately needs to get free from religion. Religious practices. Well, Brother Brady, you know, I pray in tongues. And you've prayed for years. No, 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 no. You're not in tongues because you can't stay for years. That would be like a baby learning da 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 da. And at 23, you say, "Well, how are you doing?" Ah, da 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 da. Your language matures. It develops. It is exactly that. It is a language. I love it. I can see so much up here. I tell you, every time, every time, every time I come come close to some people, don't look. Don't look in the eyes of the king. Don't look in the eyes of the king. Don't don't, don't look in his eyes. Don't let don't let him stare at you. It, you know, sometimes I have a lazy eye. It looks straight, and one looks for you. It's trying to land, especially if I'm tired. I'll let you go home so that you come back tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, I will be on my best behavior because tonight we got Peter free. We got, we got Peter. We got Peter out of jail. I'll, I'll visit the chiropractor tonight. My arm will be wonderful for the time tomorrow morning comes and we'll be able to go at this again. And, and I know it's Sunday morning and, and we'll have to be, bless God, on our best behavior because it's Sunday morning. And, and the Spirit of God is, is on a leash because he, he can only move on Sunday nights. Not in this church, that other church. Those other people that so desperately need this. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, my prayer life's about to change. Ladies and gentlemen, you can read the story yourself. They got Peter out of jail. They were provoked. Please, some of these negative things that happen in your lives, don't let them be a moment that you want to fall down and cry and wonder where God was. Use them as provocations. You might have hit me, Satan, but you don't hit me like that again. When I fall, Micah 7 verse 8 says, When I fall, I shall arise. If I sit in darkness, the Lord is my light. 
You're always on the victory side. You will never be a casualty. You will never be the victim. You will never stay dying. Why? Because you're programmed to rise constantly. Forgive me. I, I come from anti-terrorism. I was 14 years in, in the police force of Northern Ireland. It was hugely active. It was hugely scary at times, dealing with live terrorists. This was in a time when the world wasn't used to terrorism. Just a little country, us in Northern Ireland and Israel. We were very similar. In the world after 9-11, everything changed. Now, the terrorist situation was global. The terrorists were among us. Now we're dealing with a very different world. Now we're dealing with... We're not used to the enemy being on our soil. We're used to being on everybody else's soil, but we're not used to the enemy being on our, our soil. Come on, America. And now the terrorists live among us. And just because you haven't seen any recently doesn't mean to say they're not there. I truly believe there are sleeping cells all over this place that are ready to activate at the moment that they are given the opportunity, even in Georgia. And we can't leave this to our military. We can't leave this to, to the men and women in uniform. Can I have a big amen? We can't. We can't. The church has to rise. So let the provocation cause you to rise. Let these things that the enemy wants to do cause the fight to rise in you. And said, I'm not having this anymore. My Tommy is never going to be bullied again. In the name of Jesus. My Tommy is never going to be bullied again. And we're going to see the strength of God, the strength of heaven, rise within our families. So that we can see, even in the worst situation, when your worst nightmare became a real. I told you last year, at the age of 10, our eldest son was killed by a car. He was on a bicycle. This was in 2005. Everything we touched, we had the Midas touch in ministry. Everything we touched, it was thriving and growing, everything. And the enemy came to stop us. Billy Brim said that there's three times in my ministry, she said, that Satan that I know Satan came to do certain things himself to stop. And she says, Paul, this was one of them. You were too big a threat. Things were changing. The word was such a threat. Persecution rises for it. The word said. And I'll tell you this tonight. There's nothing to be afraid of. Where's my brother to play? Can you come back and play tonight? There's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. Why? Because you're a man of faith. You're a woman of faith. You're being undergirded, filled with the word. You're being taught. Phenomenal stuff. The reason I can come in and do this is because of the foundations that your pastors are building into your hearts. That's why this place should go up, you know, just in a matter of seconds because you were filled with the word. Well, at that moment, we could have made a decision. His body's lying crushed to the ground. I'm hanging over a gate, wailing in intercessions, not crying, not weeping, oh, my son, wailing in intercessions. The travail of the Lord came upon me. I knew at that moment that I either received the victory with the body on the ground or I would never get the victory ever again. I knew it. I grabbed my wife. I said, I looked her in the eye. And I said, we have a covenant. And I said, we came into this, just us. 
And I said, if it was just us, we're going to be okay. I said, why? Because we have a covenant with God. I believe at that moment we shut down everything that Satan wanted to do at that moment. Can I have a big amen? What are you going to do with the covenant you have? Even when things in your world wants to fall apart, even when a nice, the worst nightmare wants to become a reality, what do you do at that moment? We just witness the royal family, even in their mourning the death of a mother, of a grandmother, of an aunt. The royal family this week have impeccably, before the eyes of the world, mourned privately, dealt with grief, but yet carried out the duties expected of them by the roles that they carry. They're not hiding up in Buckingham Palace and I can't see anybody right now. I can't see anybody. Mama's dead. The moment Mama died, Charles was king. Long live the king, they say. So now the king has to put on his suit, his tie, and immediately access the duties of the king. Do you know what happened to us at the death of our son as he moved to heaven? The Spirit of God came upon us. There was a grace upon us. We were in church the next day. We put him in the ground, his body in the ground. On the Wednesday, we flew out to America on the Thursday to the opening of the compact center in Houston, Texas of Joel and Victoria Osteen. We had it all planned. Carnival self journalist says, there's no point in us sitting here. We'll take Josh with us. Jeremy wasn't born at the time. We took Josh with us. We got him a ticket and we took him and said, there's no point in us staying at the house. Zachary's not here. He's with the Lord. We've got the greatest babysitter we've ever had. Why stop? Other people would have said, no, Pastor, you know, you, you, you got you to gotta slow down a little bit. You got to, I said, what is there to sit around the house for? We've taken us bought. Let's go. Well, we got on an airplane. I tell you, I looked at my wife. She'd look at me at times. But tears would run down her eyes. The physical loss of our son. But you know what I refused to do? I refused to stop. I refused the enemy to gloat over me. I refused him. To look at me and say, I got you. I got you. I looked at the devil, I'm telling you tonight, and I kept telling him, you will never get me. You will never stop me. You will never get the better of me. And the best thing that the Bradys could do was get on a plane and keep on going. I'm going to speak it over you tonight. The best thing you can do, no matter what happens in your life, is just to keep on going. Deal with it as you go. But just don't stop. Don't give time for the enemy to come crashing in. Gloating over you. Of course, this is for people in that other church. Make no apology for being real tonight, guys. The best you can do is to come to two services tomorrow. What does it mean? Well, you know, I, I need a day. You know, you need a day in the house of the Lord with your pastors and with us so that we can just take this further and keep solidifying the victory in our spirits, keep solidifying the victory of Christ within us. If we can do it, anybody can do it. We went to the best place we could have went to. Joel and Victoria loved us. 
We went straight after that. We went to our pastors. They loved us. They took Joshua, bought him a full Western outfit, bought him cowboy boots. We went to the movies and watched Madagascar. My pastor looked at me, Pastor Terry, and she says, you know, Pastor Paul, now you know we're in a war. And I said, in this war, at times there's casualties, and unfortunately, you paid a very heavy price for what you do and what you carry. But she said, I know. She's what I know. They didn't pat us on the back. Oh, palsy walsy. <laughs> We've seen this happen to this one, this one, this one. And I tell you, but we believe you can make it. I looked at him and I said, we know we can make it. And we know we can make it. Do you know that my son today, the 26-year-old, I know we've got a beautiful daughter now who came after five, I don't know how many years. It took five years. Lord told us to do that. My son followed our example. I don't know what it would have been like. We bought him a Batman outfit. And he ran around our land on a Batman outfit. And I would look at him and think, we'll never ever feel the weight of this. Remember last night when I would tell you that I would come and I would pull him up into me and I would pray. And I'd pray the word and pray the spirit and pray to reveal it to him. At the age of nine, I would see him run around. We would get together, we would pray. He didn't understand, but I knew that he's going to go the way dad goes. He's going to go the way mom goes. And if it's just for him, we have to be strong. People would say that we were in denial. I would say to them kindly, I said, how can you be in denial when you go to your bedroom and you see the Lego lamb there that he played with? When you see his clothes hanging in the cupboard, how can you be in denial? People can be cruel. I learned that people don't always like you strong. People don't always like you strong. And I would say to people all the time, I said, but you have to understand this is the strength of Christ. This is the grace of God. And Sister Billy Brim would call us and says, Paul, you're caught up in a bubble. And it's the truth. And she says, God will carry you all the way. And I said, I believe it, Sister Billy. I believe it with all my heart. We're at the Compact Center, and of course we have a relationship there. And Miss Doty says to Karen, oh, I saw you with a little girl.
And one day I came to Karen and I said, you know, I really believe that it is the Lord. I believe the Lord is asking us to have another child. And of course, I'd need Karen's permission. In spite of what everybody's talking about today, man having babies. <laughs> I'd need her permission, right? And she says, if that's what the Lord is saying, then we will. You think it was bad? I watched her. We went to Disney World. Forget how many weeks she was pregnant. I think it was 30, 13. Went to Disney World. She says, Paul, I don't feel well. We went to McDonald's at Disney World. And she miscarried the child at the happiest place on earth. I said, oh, Lord, you're going to do this to us. If the Lord is there, the child is coming. The child is coming. Took a period of time. She got pregnant again, and guess what? She miscarried again. I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I don't think I can do this. This is when I was finally, I can't watch my wife go through this. And the Lord brought into her life a doctor called Edward Jose. Because we were praying for wisdom and we would say things like this. There has to be a reason. There's something why you're not holding this child. It's not because you're 45. There's a reason why you're not holding on to the child. We flew to London, talked with Dr. Assay. And Dr. Assay gave her phenomenal wisdom. And he was the leading voice on the need for progesterone and all of these different things for women to carry children long-term. Give us the best. Christian doctor. I remember sitting in the car park at Tesco's over at the gas station. Karen looking at me, I was in the car, and she says, I'm pregnant. I said, this one's coming, Karen. You know that? She says, yes, this one's coming. I had the name and everything. And I said, Jeremiah John's coming. So prophetic I am. Jeremiah John's coming. We go to the 20-week scan. And I know you've got to go home. We go to the 20-week scan. And the doctor looks at me and says, congratulations. you got a little girl. And I was like, what happened to Jeremiah John? Just give me two minutes. I know the children's ministry is looking for mercy. <laughs> They'll be fine for a minute or two. Drove 200 yards down the road. I had to pull over. My cars, my, my legs had lost all power. Went jelly. He said, you can't wait, little girl. I says, yeah. He's like, what are we going to call? And I went home and I pulled up the computer and I said, what is the female of Jeremiah? And up came in big, bold pink, Jeremiah. The horn of the Lord is exalted or a bursting forth. And I said, yes, she's a bursting forth of joy. And it went from Jeremiah John to Jeremiah Joy. 
are bursting forth of joy. Give the Lord praise. Come on, you can do better than that. So don't you ever stop. I'm saying it again. Don't you ever stop. Regardless of, come on, give him praise in this room. Regardless of what comes against you. Regardless, you see me up here. You see pastors up here. And it's like you see all these people. It's like, well, it's okay for them. Yeah, it's okay for us. Because nobody knows what we went through. Until they see what with us and we begin to tell people. At a moment right there where I could just say no. At a moment right there where I could just say no. At a moment right there where I could just say no. But you know what? Every single time, thank God for a godly woman. Every single time. No. We will rise again. Lift your hands all over this room. I don't know why the Lord had me recount that night tonight to you. Maybe it just made it real to you that I'm just not up here just as Peter Perfect, right? Forgive the phrase. We all have lives and we have all of things that we have to work with, work through, deal with. Situations that are just completely awful, distasteful. I don't know what it's like for you in the middle of the night, what horrors you have to face. I don't know what family situations that you're working through. I, I don't know what truly is going on in your world, but when you see me do what I do tonight, now you know why I am the way I am. Now you know why I praise. Now you know why I shout. Now you know why I would prefer to be hoarse and to have prayed and secured the victory rather than sit with a sweet voice defeated and silenced by circumstance and devilish activities. So if you ever wonder why someone acts the way they act, then think, because this is my life and I refuse it to be destroyed. Pray in the Spirit. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.